Hey, this is Dave Chris. I'm the pastor of We're One based out of Gateway Assembly, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that this equips you and encourages you in your faith to see Jesus more clearly in your life. Let's hit it. Hey, y'all. We're going to get into it. I'm so excited. We actually, if you saw on our social, we're starting a brand new series, uh, very simply called The Book of Philippians. And, uh, you know, I was supposed to, so God originally pointed me to this, this book. It's in the New Testament. It's right after the book of Ephesians. So it goes Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. And God kind of pointed this book out to me. Obviously I had read it before, but the end of last year of 2019, we were with our creative team. And I kind of threw out like, what if we did a series on the book of Philippians? And I had it planned out to do the end of this year. And it was weird, man, when all this quarantine stuff hit and everything, I felt like this book, I just couldn't get it out of, of my heart. And so while I, uh, every day so far, not today, so I guess every day, but today for the last five, six days, so I missed today, five days straight, I missed today because I was getting ready for tonight. I'm going on a run. While I go on the run, I just have my headphones in and I just listen to the book of Philippians. And the more I've listened to it, and uh, basically I can get through all four chapters and a little over like, like 1.25 miles. I can listen the whole book. And the more I listen to it, the more it's just in my heart so deep, I can't get it out. And I felt like literally on Monday, we made this decision. So the team was scrambling, putting this together, setting up like studio design and stuff, videos, like everything you're seeing right now coming at you. Monday is when we're hitting all this because we made the decision on Monday, we're going to uh, do the book of Philippians. And so I hope you got your Bible ready, pencil or pen, whatever it is. And we're going to just tear into this thing. I mean, we're going to read it the whole way through. By the time we finish this series, we'll have read essentially the book of Philippians together. And I find it so interesting that God asked me to do this because I think a lot of times God asks you to do things that are hard. Um, and because they're hard, it actually is the thing that actually builds our character more. It's the thing that actually shows us more about his character and who he is because we have to lean into him. Because I actually had five other sermons in my back pocket ready to pull out and to do if we needed them. But I felt like God asked me to do Philippians. And so I just want to get into this. I'm uh, probably just as fresh on this as you guys are. We're going to dig into it together. And uh, we're going to kind of learn together as we read it. So I'm going to read. I'm going to start right at Philippians 1 verse 1, and I'm going to read to verse 11. I'm going to read this straight. This is what we're going to devour and tear apart um, as we are in this message. And But uh, I'm just going to pray as we get going, and I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to show up as we read this book and as it just uh, not just educates our minds, but as it, it truly satisfies our souls. So would you just pray with me? Jesus, you're so good. We just pause for a moment to tell you how good you are. God, we're no, we know that we're in a season, that our world is in a season that we've never seen before, facing something we've never been a part of before, like COVID-19, like uh, isolation of this manner uh, uh, of quarantine like this. Uh, it's just nothing we've ever seen. And so we just need a fresh word from you. God, we need you to speak so deeply and directly to our souls that when we leave here tonight, we go, not just we're one online was fun, not just I'm glad I showed up, but man, if I hadn't shown up to we're one online tonight, 
I wouldn't have heard the voice of God like I just was able to. I pray that we walk away so acutely aware that the Lord is in this place, wherever that is we are, and that God is speaking to us. We set our eyes, we fix our attention on you tonight. Speak to us through this scripture as we read it. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Read this with me. Here we go. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. I'll start there. The Apostle Paul wrote this. So it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, that's leaders of the church, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Now that's a good, that is a good passage of scripture right there. To the glory and praise of God. I want to make it so clear. If you're here for the first time, if you know nothing about Jesus, let me show you how simple this is. You could know nothing about Jesus and yet still with your life give glory and praise to God. You will learn about him. You will discover him along the way, but you can know nothing about him and still say, God, I give you glory and praise. The Bible says that let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And so that's what we're going to do here tonight. We're going to give God glory and praise. So the songs we're singing, through any videos we're playing, through our, our comments, through the word of God, we're going to give him praise. Now, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the church at Philippi. Now, Philippi was located in, within Macedonia, and the church at Philippi, when Paul was writing this to them, and he, he had already been there previously, and now he's in a moment where he's writing back to them. But when he went the first time there, this was the first uh, church that had ever been established in Europe. So literally, the place that we're talking about here, any Europeans today that, that know Jesus, any churches in Europe, it started right here at Philippi with the Apostle Paul. Now, the reason that he went there in the first place is because uh, he had a vision one night of a man from Macedonia speaking to him in a vision saying, come and help us. So Paul took that as just a sign from the Lord. Hey, I should, I should go help them. So he took off and Timothy took off with him and they went to Philippi. And there, I'm going to read you, actually, if, you, if you've ever read the book of Acts before, I want to explain this to you. In the book of Acts, all the other books, like through the New Testament, like uh, Ephesians and Galatians and Philippians and First and Second Corinthians and all these, those are actually kind of like if you were to take the book of Acts, those fit within the book of Acts. So technically the book of Acts is the, like the big picture journey 
of what God used all the apostles to do all throughout the world. And the other books are letters written to those places that they had met. So I'm going to take you to the book of Acts. Here we are. Chapter 16. And we're going to go um, verse uh, 12 to 15. Now, he had had the vision of the man saying, come and help us. And he's taken off. And here we are, verse 12. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district in Macedonia. Remember, I said Philippi within Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside of the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who gathered there. One of them was, listen, uh, was listening. One of them listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. Now, what that means is she worshiped like God, but she didn't know Jesus. So she was a Jewish woman that worshiped like the Lord, but she didn't know Jesus. Right? The Lord opened her heart to respond to uh, Paul's message when she and the members of her household were baptized. She invited us to come to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. This is what, this is what Paul's saying right here. Okay, so check this. How cool is this? On the bank of a river with a small group of women began the story of Jesus in the city of Philippi. Now, this is crazy to me because it could be like, in the house of whatever family in the city of K-Pak is where the story of Jesus started. Wherever like you're listening, a Jesus story can begin. A Jesus story can continue. And I love this thought. When I like read this, I thought of just Emily City, a small group in Emily City met over 60 years ago. It started with a Hispanic woman that started our church over 60 some years ago. And I love this, that it's a small group of women coming together. And from that, was birthed the church in Philippi even bigger. From that was birthed the gospel reaching all of Europe that we know today. Now, in writing this letter to the Philippians, um, we can see here that the Apostle Paul, as he starts the letter I read earlier, he follows the kind of custom traditions of how you'd write the letter. He starts with na the, the, the naming of the sender, meaning he says, Paul and Timothy, and then it's followed by the subjects to, here's the church, all God's holy people, here's like the overseers and the deacons, and then he ends with a salutation. Now look at verse one, That's, let me show you. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people, in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Now, Paul lists Timothy with him here, um, but you have to understand that Paul was the writer. If you were to take this passage and even all of Philippians, if you were to read it, you would see that he uses the word I, me, my over a hundred times. Just the word I alone, he uses it over 78 times. Now, Philippians, I think, is so unique the way he starts this off. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. This is unique because Paul only does this in three books total. Philippians is one of those that he starts with this phrase servant or, uh, or slave or bond servant, which essentially just meant a servant of Jesus. And I love that he starts this way because he's actually indicating that the top is actually the bottom. He's actually saying that the highest you can go is actually the lowest 
you can go. We always like in our internship program, we have certain phrases. We say once an intern, always an intern. And what we mean by that is I started off as an intern so many years ago that no matter how high I climb in, in my career or position or pay or anything I do in my life or your life, we say, I will always look at myself as an intern. I always think of the, the word pastor. It's so close to the word pasture. You find a shepherd in the pasture. It's a lowly place with sheep. And the Apostle Paul here, what he's saying is a lot of people, they actually strive to reach a place of success so they can be served. But see, he's defining servanthood is success. You don't reach a certain place of success to be served. You actually lower yourself to be a servant, and that is the success. Jesus himself, he even said that the Son of Man, meaning himself, came not to be served, but to serve, to be a servant. That's verse one. A lot, we, I could keep going. There's a lot we could break down just in verse one. You go to verse two though, and he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I bring this up because this is probably one of those types of verses that either at some of your age or even in general, probably at my age at times, I'll read it and then I'll kind of brush past it and not see how important it is. I was texting uh, somebody from We Are One earlier today, and they have a family member, their grandma, that's just not doing well physically. Uh, they're testing possibly for COVID-19. Uh, she has an pneumonia. I've been praying with them. Many of our, our team's been praying, believing uh, for healing. Uh, and I was texting him today and, and just praying, and he was telling me some reports. And I felt like the Lord just brought me to this verse, verse two, grace and peace to you from God our Father, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we don't really like talk like that today. That almost sounds a little bit weird if I were to like, grace and peace to you. You know, like it's just not something we say. In that culture though, they were saying grace because that was a, a Greek thing, a Greek phrase and Greek word used and peace because that was a Hebrew word used. And he's bringing it all together, but he's making this beautiful statement. And when I could use this today, I texted this person. I just said, hey, I just really feel like um, this scripture is for you that I'm just believing so strong that grace and peace is going to fall upon you, upon your grandma, upon your family, and that there's going to be the grace and peace of the Lord that's going to fall upon you. And the, the beautiful thing is, it's because the grace of God has been given to us that we can now have the peace of God. The peace of God can't rest upon you until the grace of God is already within you. So the Holy Spirit, through the forgiveness of Christ, comes and places the grace of God upon our lives. The Holy Spirit dwells within us, and then peace now rests upon us. It's because the grace has been given to us that peace can rest, because peace only can rest upon grace. Peace needs something for it to sit upon. It's like, a, it's like if you have some sort of like, I don't know, basketball, like with a famous like a, a signature or something on it. And you put it on, you know, you just don't like put it in a random spot. You put it on a stand, you put it in like a glass case, you make it. So the, the peace rests upon the grace. And as I was texting this person, this scripture became just so real to me. And I just say this to you guys, whatever your situation, wherever you are, I just say right now, grace and peace to you from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, then from this place of peace and grace, do you know what comes? As you are walking in the grace of God, as you're feeling, feeling the peace of God upon your life, you are feeling, feeling renewed even in the midst of uh, when you feel like you can't go another day or you're broken down or you're discouraged. But when you begin to recognize the grace and peace on you, you know what you'd start doing? You start being thankful. 
you start responding with thankfulness because even though maybe you're not always feeling it, even though it's not always looking like you want it to look like, because you know grace and peace are on your life, you begin to respond with thankfulness. Look at the Apostle Paul, verses three and four. He said, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Now, I was crying earlier today thinking about y'all, so I'm going to try not to do that right now. I'm going to try to keep pressing through the best I can. But can I stop for a second and just say this from myself because that's what I'm feeling right now. Like, like as I read this entire thing, I feel like I almost wrote it and it's like from me to you. And so let me just say this. Every time I think of you, every time I remember you, I thank God for you. I'm so thankful for every single person hearing this, listening right now. And when I pray for you, I pray with joy in my heart. I pray believing for you. I pray with a greater faith that probably than I ever had in this season to know that God is with you. And as I'm listening and reading the Apostle Paul uh, speaking this to us, and as I'm listening to the Holy Spirit speaking to me about this, I just feel like we're in such a season and such a need for thankfulness right now. There's such a need to be thankful for who Jesus is and what he is doing in our life. And as I read this, it just brings me to this point of, of you know, I think about you guys all the time. Me and Sid, um, Pastor Stephen Janelle, Pastor Tyler, and all our leaders, and we, we talk about y'all. We're just like, man, it's like, this is like, we're not used to this. We miss them so much. We love them so much. I mean, talk about mad love. Like, this is like, we came off probably one of the most perfect series to come into this season to realize the need for mad love. And I think God just placed the, this mad love in my life, especially during this quarantine season, to remember you guys and to be thankful for you. If I were to just go off script for a second, can I just tell you, I'm so proud of you. Our team is so proud of you. We are so thankful that we watch you continuing to serve Jesus, continuing to strive after him to the best of your ability. Um, I saw a post uh, that someone had sent me and uh, and I want to be very careful when I say this because I don't mean this demeaning in any way, but it just gave me a lot of thankfulness um, for y'all. And somebody had shown me a post essentially of a, of a pastor that had posted about their ministry. And they said, when the draw to come to your ministry is free snacks, uh, you know, pop and games, now what do I do? Essentially, like he, he, he just said, I have no ministry really left, no ministry established. And we still have this ministry. Like, we are separate, but we're not separated. Like, God's given us this right now still. And so when I think about you guys, when I remember you, it is with a ton of joy and thankfulness because I still see you serving the Lord. I still see you trying to love each other, reaching out to people. I can guarantee right now as this is even going, you're blowing up the chat and you're welcoming VIPs into it and you're telling people you love them and you're encouraging people because this is just who you are. This is who we are. We are one. And this is like what it's all about. And when I read this, I just thought, man, the feeling that Paul had to have for the Philippian church, you know, like why? Because see, we're, we're in a season of quarantine right now, being a little bit more separate from each other than we're used to different locations and stuff. And, and right now I'm just staring at a camera right now. I can't actually stare at you. I'm staring just at a camera lens. Um, but this quarantine, I, I think is nothing compared to what the apostle Paul was going through. Now, when the apostle Paul wrote the book of Philippians. Do you understand where he was and what he was going through? Look at verse seven and eight. Talk about quarantine. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you 
since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains, okay, he's giving us an indication of what's going on here, or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. He's saying how much I love you. I mean, this is mad love, he's saying. I'm so thankful for you. I have joy. I have so much love for you. And in this greatest quarantine compared to ours, I mean, of his life, one of the greatest, he has so much affection. Why? Because the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Philippians during a time when he was in prison. Now, it's not completely clear where he was. Scholars believe he could have been in Rome, Ephesus, Caesarea, but they lean towards probably it was AD 62 in Rome is where he is in prison. And based upon them tracking the missionary journey, this is what they'd say. So my question is this, why Paul now being in prison, so many reasons he could be upset. Why does Paul love the Philippians so much? I mean, this is like over the top, mad love for them. Why? Why does Paul have this so much? Because although Paul wasn't with the Philippians anymore, they didn't forget about him. Here he's in one of the hardest seasons of his life, keeping his spirits alive, keeping joy in his heart. And they continued to remember him. They actually sent someone to come support him. They kept praying for him. They didn't give up on him while he was in prison and they didn't turn from the Lord while he was in prison. They continued to stay diligent. That's why Paul had said, as I read earlier, I always pray for you with joy. Why? Because look at verse five. He says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day that I ever told you about it until now. I pray with you with so much joy because you haven't given up. You know, like there's this phrase, fair weather fan. You ever heard of that phrase? It's when, uh, it's when like a, a sports team gets really popular or a band or whatever it is. And people, you know, you might be like into emo music back in the day. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. In high school, there was like emo music and stuff where it'd be like if somebody was like into emo music, but then something became popular that could gain them popularity or something. And they jumped on this bandwagon over here. You, you know, it's when you're jumping on bandwagons. It's when you're changing what you think. Another word would be like fickle. You know, like, I don't know, I don't know, boys, if you ever feel this before, but girls can be fickle. Now, I ain't trying to hate on the girls. I'm just saying here, like, they can be a little bit indecisive sometimes. I know it can be some of the guys, too. But you know what I'm saying? Like, boys, does she like you or not? Like, what is her favorite color? What movie is her favorite movie? Like, it's flip-flopping. It's fair-weather fandom. It is fickle. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Now, I'm up here preaching. I'm sure if Sid was up there, up here, she could say something about the boys, too. I love you, girls. I'm just saying. The Apostle Paul loved them so much and prayed with such joy because they weren't fair weather fans. It wasn't like, hey, as long as you're here, we're going to keep serving Jesus. As long as, as we are all together and it's easy, we're going to keep serving Jesus. But they actually saw, whoa, you ever thought about this? They actually saw, whoa, he's in prison for serving Jesus. That could happen to us. Like if we keep serving him, if we keep going, after Jesus and, and spreading who he is and worshiping him, we, that could happen to us too. You know how easily they could have just bailed, could have just given up, could have just walked away? Yeah, he's saying, you're not fair weather fans. You're not fickle. 
from the first time you ever heard about Jesus and still till now while I'm in prison. You haven't given up on me and you haven't given up on Jesus. You know, I don't know if you've been tracking like I have, but the last time that we were all together in person was March 11th. It was the Wednesday before what was supposed to be one night. What was supposed to be we're one conference that next weekend, right? The last time we were ever all together was March 11th. So I have this question for you. Are you still as committed to Jesus now, even though we're all in separate locations, as you were when we were in the same room? Are you still as steadfast now? Are you still loving Jesus as much now? Are you still spending time with him now? Or was Wednesday the only fix that you ever got to ever spend any time with Jesus? Because if it was, now we're all in quarantine, how much harder is it now to learn how to spend time with God when you don't have the the lights and the big band and the meeting space. And here we are building this little studio in my basement just so I can share the gospel with you. And we're worshiping all in different locations on our cell phones, laptops, whatever it is, right? It's not as easy. It's not as easy anymore. But I think what defines this season of our life is the fact that it's not easy, but it is hard. And yet we can still worship a God who's deserving of it. And we don't have to be fair weather fans. We don't have to get worse in our faith. We don't have to uh, not try as hard or, or just surrender. I think it's not even trying. It's surrendering to his grace. It's asking for his peace and saying, God, I just need you right now. Because we need him right now. Our world, our city, like it needs him. Everyone on listening right now, you need him. I need him right now. We need him. We, we can't keep going the way we are as a world if we don't have him. We can't keep going as a church if we don't have him. I know we haven't met, met since March 11th. So the question is very simple. Are you a Fairweather fan? Or are you somebody that I would say, like the Apostle Paul said to the Philippians, that you're still a partner in the gospel? You haven't given up on it since March 11th or since the first time you ever heard it, but you're continuing to go forward. See, it was because of the diligence of the Philippians to continue to believe upon Jesus, to continue to spread the gospel, to continue to support the Apostle Paul. It gave him a sense of confidence. Can I just tell you, like, before I came on here to preach in between the live broadcast when Pastor Steve and Pastor Tyler on, and I looked over at Sid's phone, watching it and I saw all the comments blowing up and I saw you guys encouraging one another and I saw everything happening. Can I tell you the confidence that gave me before I walked out here to do this? The confidence in knowing that you're still loving each other, that you're still inviting new people in, that you're still spreading who Jesus is, that you haven't given up from the first time until now. This is what the apostle Paul is talking about. And now there's this confidence that rises up in him. Look at verse six, being confident of this, like no questioning, no second guessing, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, he's saying to the Philippians, you, he's saying right now to we are one. I'm saying to we are one. God is speaking to you right now that him, the father, Jesus Christ, the son who began a good work in you, he will carry it until completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. Um, I don't know like if any of y'all have certain projects or things you have to do around the house. Now, if you're married, out there, you can for sure uh, click with this. If not, I know you're a liar. I know you lying. But like, I start projects around the house and I have a really hard time finishing them. 
I feel like I start like 10 projects and then like I finish maybe like one of them and the rest are just incomplete. Like Pastor Steve was telling me he still has a like a light switch box in his house where all the wires are still hanging out of it. Good thing Mana can't walk and get to it yet or she'd be all like all zapped or whatever, right? But like he has like this incomplete switch. I have so many different incomplete things. I remember, oh man, Josh and Japs like, they were so, so nice. They came over when I was gone. I think uh, the band was out doing a conference or something. I was with the pastors or something. And I think she hit up, they hit up Sid and they just go, hey, is there anything we could come help that would be like really nice for Pastor Dave while we're gone or whatever? So they come over and there's this rock bed right outside of our, our, our porch there, our deck. And they go, oh, this will take like two hours and be done. Eight hours later, they're still <laughs> they're still hitting it. And then on top of that, they couldn't finish it. So finally I came home, I saw it like half complete, but they had attempted it and they're like, hey, we'll come back another day. Well, uh, I come out there with them, we finish all of it, we dig it all up and everything. And now it's my time to like, to resod all this, to like get, cause I was just gonna make it grass so I can mow it all. And I didn't do it, Matt, Josh. Love you guys. Thanks so much for your help. Uh, but I didn't follow through. I didn't. Because I, I start a lot of projects and I don't finish them. So my goal, I'm making a promise to y'all. You're going to hear it right now. I'm going to finish all of that as soon as it gets nice out. I might as well. I'm here in my house. I might, might as well finish it. But I started something. They started with me that I didn't finish. What is, what is my point? God doesn't start anything that he's not willing to complete. If God starts it, he's going to complete it. If God puts, if God puts the shovel in the ground, he's going to make something beautiful. If God puts the brick on something, he's going to build up something magnificent. If God speaks something into existence, he's going to say, let there be light and there will be light. There is not anything that God starts that he's not willing to bring to completion. Let me read it again. Verse six, Paul saying, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. God will finish what he starts. So maybe you're in a season right now of incompletion. You're in a season right now wondering what God has next, wondering how things are going to pan out, wondering what you're going to even do with your life tomorrow. Maybe you're so emotionally broke down. Can I just tell you that if God put breath in your lungs, then he has a purpose for you and he's going to bring you to completion. If God literally made the ability for your brain to tell your fingers and your body, and I don't know why I did like the jig right there, but if God has the ability to put breath inside of you, that means he has a purpose for you and you shouldn't give up before Jesus can complete something with you. If he started it, you better not end it until he brings it to completion. You better not quit halfway. You better stand firm, rise up, finish strong. Don't let the devil tell you that this is a time to give up, that this is a time that's getting too hard, that you can't emotionally handle it, that you're too depressed, that you're too anxious. Don't let these suicidal influences of the, the demonic realm start getting inside your head and tell you it's time to give up. Don't give up. Just let Jesus finally complete it. When the apostle Paul, though, is writing this letter, and I read in the very beginning, he said, grace is and peace to you. I got to give you some understanding here. You have to understand that God's grace and peace, it is given to us. Remember the grace of God through the cross of Jesus, the peace now resting upon the grace. When it's given to us, you have to understand that it's been given to us, but it might not have been brought to completion yet. 
there is a completing in our lives that's transpiring day after day as we grow older and maturity, as we learn more about who the Lord is, as we gather with the believers, as, as we just continue in life, right? There's a completing that is happening, but not a completion yet. We will not have entered completion until we're with him in heaven. Until the moment that we finally step into the presence of God in heaven, we're welcomed in and we enter it and we're looking around. We're like, oh, I'm so glad I waited for this. This was so worth it. That is when the completion finally happened. That is when the grace becomes its fullest. That's when the peace is beyond measure like anything we've ever known. Because I think at times we're like, okay, if God's given me grace and peace, then why do I feel this way? If God's given me grace and peace, then why is the world like this? If God is pouring out grace and, grace and peace, then why am I going through this right now? You have to understand that he is pouring out a certain measure of grace and peace on your life. But it's throughout your life, the measure increases, but it won't be fully complete and to the point that you are with him in heaven. And I think a lot of us, we, we kind of almost second guess him. We take our eyes off of him. We let our emotions start distracting us and we start becoming deceived with our circumstances. And we go, oh, I have such a lack of grace. God's grace isn't on my life. Such a lack of peace. I have no peace. I have no joy, whatever it is, right? And we go, okay, the apostle Paul goes, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But I ain't feeling that. And we start taking our eyes and we start letting our emotions get off of Jesus. And I need you to understand it is not a lack of grace or peace in your life. It is just not yet the fullness of what you're going to have in heaven. You're not lacking. You're not without. You know, if anything, Scripture says you lack nothing. I mean, David said in the psalm, he said, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I shall not want. If anything, you have to realize you lack nothing. You just actually get like an extra, greater, bigger, fuller dose when you finally get in heaven. It's called completion. The Lord will not start something that he is not willing to complete. And I got to tell you, if he put breath in your lungs and put you on earth, he ain't done with you yet. So you better not call, call it quits early because until he says it's time to be done, you ain't done. We do not get to make that decision. The Lord starts it. The Lord finishes it. The Lord is the one that brings all good things to completion. And can I tell you, when you're struggling with... Uh, wondering like, okay, is, is my grace, do I not have enough, have enough grace in my life? Like, does God not love me enough? Like, I don't feel peace. When you're struggling at that point, can I tell you, this is why you need joy. This is why we have to have joy. Now, the book of Philippians, this is like the book of joy. This book in the Bible, it's a book of joy. Now, the apostle Paul, remember, he said, he goes, I'm in prison right now. And I'm writing to you whether I'm in my ch in chains right now or I'm out like sharing the gospel. Either way, like I'm going to, I'm going to share with you, right? So he's here and he's in prison. I think because of that reason, we should listen up because the dude is praying and proclaiming joy even in the midst of his chains. He's here uh, and has hidden his possibly one of his greatest hardships, if not the greatest hardship. And he's proclaiming with joy that he's remembering and praying for the church. I think like this dude is got a guy we should listen to, a master chief of sorts. Words that we gotta be able to take to the bank because even in this place, the apostle Paul is saying, I'm gonna pray with you with joy, pray for you with joy. Why? Because joy is internal strength despite external circumstances. 
Joy is something within you that only God could put in there. It's not happiness that like you, you have pizza and you feel happy or like my wife all day has been like, I just need chocolate. It's like, she's gonna have chocolate and like she's gonna feel happy for a moment, but then the chocolate's gone and later on we even, it comes out of our body as chocolate as well. Like chocolate, whatever it is, whatever your happiness is, it is momentary. It's okay to be happy, but it's momentary. Joy though is internal strength that God puts inside of you despite your external circumstances, despite what we see in the world, despite how things are hard, despite how the, the world is struggling, we can still have joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I know that this has been a really difficult season for a lot of people. I know it has. I know that um, it's been a season where some of you just being quarantined is hard enough. Just like being stuck in your house, some of you are like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna lose my junk. Like some of you gotta like walk out your door and smell the air just to still know you're alive because you can't be caught up inside. Or you're the person that has to take a run every day. Or I've been seeing some of y'all like you're struggling with the social distancing so much. Like you will like somebody will drive up a car and then you'll sit like on the on the curb of the street away from them at least six feet and you'll just talk to them, right? I know some of you are struggling with that. Or can I just even be real for a second? I know. Some of you seniors, like I've talked to enough of you, you're really bummed out. I, I get it. I was thinking about that today. I worked for four years to get straight A's, be the valedictorian of my high school. And the only reason I did it wasn't to be smart or anything, because I'm not, I just worked really hard. Pastor Steve is smart, there's a difference. I worked hard because I said, Lord, if I can do this, I know I could give a speech at my commencement and I could share Jesus. I know some of you have had like big dreams and vision because you wanna share with your friends who Jesus is. You want to be able to invite people to like your Jesus club and all these things that you're sitting here and you're going like, God, what's your plan? I can't even do that anymore. Like I'm stuck in quarantine. It's like the apostle Paul, I'm in chains. So it's really at this moment, you're gonna decide, am I gonna respond with joy or am I going to respond with, with fear or frustration or, or whatever it is that gets my eyes off of Jesus? I know some of you, you're struggling even more because you have family members and you have friends that they have COVID-19, that they like legitimately have this virus and you know they're struggling and you're just like, Lord, I can't even see them. I can't even get to them. What do I do? I've been hearing stories of, of families separated where literally like somebody's dying from the virus. And it's not even just older people, it's younger people, people my age, it's people, a 21 year old, like only like half an hour from here passed away. And literally they have to die alone, say goodbye to their family on the phone and die alone. Like this is scary stuff. This is stuff that could really easily get our eyes off of Jesus. This is stuff that really easily could kind of shackle us to our fear, pin us down and say, Lord, is this even worth it? Are you even here? I don't feel the grace, I don't feel the peace. I don't even know if I have joy, but see, joy is a decision. Joy is a decision to say that I'm still going to worship Jesus. I'm still going to be faithful to him, even when I feel like everything's falling apart, because I know that if he put breath in my lungs, I know if he started a work, I know it's a good work, and I know he's going to bring it to completion. But I know some of y'all are struggling. I get it. It's okay. Like, that's why we're here for each other. It's okay to talk about it. I know, like, some people in this season, you've had family members that have, they've passed away. They've died during this season and you couldn't even be around them to be a part of the burial or things like that. Like, 
I'm hearing the stories. This is why I'm so thankful and I pray and I remember you and I, I have joy for you because I, I know that some of you are like really intensely struggling. Some of you like are really scared and you don't know what to do. And I wish I had like this magic pill of what to do I could give you that just made it all better. But to be honest, God just, that's not what he wants for us right now. God wants us to have to lean into him further. God wants us to have to seek him on our knees a little harder. God wants us to build even up greater as a church that even though we're separate, to believe that we're still not separated and we still have this ministry. God wants us to grow in that faith over fear and to boost in that joy and to know that this joy is our strength and we choose joy and we serve, we choose to follow Jesus. But what do you do when you're in this moment? How do you live with joy in the midst of, you look around and you feel like it's a joyless world. You feel like it's a world that, is caving in, a world that's struggling so much, a world that's full of fear. Uh, you know, you feel like things just aren't what you want them to be. You can't graduate the way you wanted. You can't be with your family. We didn't get to put on conference in March like we planned, like all these things. What do you do? How do you still have joy? I'm glad you asked because this is the end of my message right here. And this is the moment where God kind of just stops it and speaks to us. And the beauty is I don't have all these grandiose words to give you direction. I'm just going to read the word of God and that will give you the direction you need. Philippians 1 verses 9 to 11. The apostle Paul said, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you will be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Can I just tell you that it doesn't matter whether you're on here, whether you're atheist, agnostic, whether you say you serve some other God, whether you are a follower of Jesus Christ one way or another, he will get the glory, he will get the praise because every breath in our lungs is giving him praise to the glory and praise of God. What is this last section saying? It was a, it was a prayer of the apostle Paul. He's saying that you don't have to go through any season of your life without joy. He's saying that you don't have to have any season without purity, any season without righteousness, any season wondering whether or not you're going to be ready when Jesus comes back. You don't have to live your life that way. But the way he begins to wrap all of this up is understanding that God wants to give you knowledge. God wants to give you depth of insight. He wants to give you discernment. He wants to bring purity in your life, righteousness in your life. We talked earlier, the apostle Paul said grace and peace on your life. But how does all of that happen? What was the prayer? It said, the apostle Paul said, let your love abound more and more. All of this happens only through love. And can I tell you, it is love that unlocks joy. It's when we love one another. It's when others love us. 
Now, I ain't trying to go one more part of our series, Mad Love, but I just, this is the passage, book of Philippians. We're going to go different directions each week with wherever the, wherever the book takes us. But I know we came off that series, Mad Love. And can I tell you, here we are again, all over again, Mad Love. But look how he says this. He says, let your love abound more and more. See, as we continue to love each other, remember each other, pray for each other, invite each other to Zoom chats. Friday night, we can be having a movie night and all hop on together. Whatever it is, however we can take a second to love each other, even in your most difficult season, even in a, a moment probably in the world where it's been the darkest in a long time, scariest for a lot of people. Michigan, I, I think I heard is number three right now with the numbers for COVID-19 with this coronavirus. Even in times like this, a season like this, we can still have joy. How? Love. And I just feel like so simple tonight. I know it's such a simple message, but there's some people tonight that you just need to know love. And maybe some of the words I've said from scripture are going to trigger that for you. But ultimately, my words won't bring joy for your life. But only God's words, the word, is going to implant joy into your life as you experience the love of God. God loves you so much. He's for you, not against you. He's with you. He's never given up on you. He's never abandoned you. He never has. He never will. You're loved. Just take that in for a sec. You are loved. And the beauty of what God wants to do is God not only wants to show you his love, but after he shows you and brings into you his love, he wants that love then to begin to grow and abound more and more where you just, you can't help it, but love the people of God, but love people in this, in this chat. It's not you anymore just sitting there like, somebody love me, somebody love me, but it's you reaching out and loving people. You can't help but call family members that need to know the love of Jesus. You, you can't help but begin to just like, I don't know, post all over your social how much God loves you because it's, it's growing, it's growing. Your love is abounding more and more and more. And I just feel like the simplicity of that tonight as we gather to just remember that God wants to bring grace and peace upon us, but he's still bringing it to completion. God wants us to know joy, but ultimately the prayer of the apostle Paul was that they understood that he wanted their love to abound more and more. For some of you, let me tell you how this happens tonight. It happens at the point that you say, Jesus, I'm not going to uh, run from you, try to hide from you. Uh, I'm going to surrender myself and know your love. For others of you, it's, it's a refresher, it's a reminder to sit here and just know, I am loved by God. And as you understand how much you are loved, certain things about your life purity and all these things that we just read earlier. Maybe it's how you treat your siblings or whatever it is, right? That will shift as your 
perspective aligns with heaven that you are loved. And as that shifts, can I tell you that you will begin to love more and more. It's abounding. It's growing. It's being shaped more and more. I just want to take a second before um, I send it to the next thing, before we close the night, and you guys will be have, have some time to be able to just love on each other at the end of this too with the chat and all that. But before we do any of that, I just want to take a second. If there's anybody listening right now, or you will watch this later and you will hear it, if you do not know the love of God, if you don't know the grace of God, if you've never received Jesus as your personal Savior, I just want to pray with you. Very simple prayer. I'm going to essentially make it up right now as we go, but it's just a prayer we're going to pray together to receive the love of God. So wherever you are, would you just pray this with me out loud? Because the Bible says for those that want to give their life over to Jesus, receive him, that those that confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God has raised him from the dead, they will be saved. So pray this with me. Say, Jesus, right now, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are the Lord, that you died on a cross for me, that your blood ran down that cross to show me how much you love me. You were placed in a tomb, dead, locked away for three days, and you bursted out of that tomb to show me how much you love me. And so right now, God, what I'm doing is I'm giving my whole self, my plans, because those have gotten messed up, my future, because that's not looking how I thought it was going to, my past, my present, my whole life, I'm, I'm giving it all to you right now. And I'm asking you, Jesus, would you come and dwell within me? I'm inviting the Holy Spirit, the third head of the Godhead into my life to come and direct me, remind me, and show me your love. Why? Not that I would just receive, but also so that I would be a person that would release, that my love might abound more and more. I receive you with all that I am. I'm now saying, Holy Spirit, empower me so I can release you, not just with all that you are within me. I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody says, amen.